Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the one and only Dave Fremlin Show. And I am the one and only Dave Fremlin, and you are listening to me. Yay! It's one o'clock, everybody, on Monday, December 6th, 2021. And it's a beautiful day in downtown Central Florida. And, um, Orlando, that is. And um, I just want to say, I never knew weather could be this great in Florida, honestly. And, um, okay, so I'm going to update you, first of all, on restless leg syndrome. I'm 100% sure now that either sugar or caffeine or some combination, probably caffeine now and chocolate, is a definite culprit Last night, you are listening to the Dave Fremlin Show. I to share with anyone who's interested out there. Um, it takes a so, super uh, duper long time yeah. to Yay. boot it up. Um, and so, I... Anyways, and now tonight, I'm going to give you some information. Yay! A doctor. Um, which, I forgot what it is. You are listening to the Dave Fremlin Show. Yeah. I guess we'll see what happens, right? I had restless legs again. Pretty bad. Um, and it lasted until about right around 3 o'clock, which is not unusual. If it went too far after, if it went to like 3.30, I'd still be okay with it. But when it gets into like 4 o'clock, it started making me very nervous. But it was about 3 o'clock, I last remember looking at the clock and thinking, oh, God, I hope this ends soon. And um, it was pretty severe, but it was not the worst it's ever been. But I know what went wrong. I made a cake last night, and I made a cake sugar-free, flour-free, everything free, and I added protein powder to it, so it's even a high-protein chocolate cake. But I had there was chocolate in it, and the chocolate is sugar-free, but chocolate itself has um, a certain stimulating effect. And um, on top of that, uh, you know, there, there's some sugar in the protein powder, and I did lick the spoon. So um, I, th- I think that's what made it worse. It was only, it was worse. Let me put it this way. The amount of worse that the restless legs was last night was equivalent to the amount of chocolate that I had while making my cake. And so it seems, uh, it seems that there's a correlation there. So I had the restless legs last night. I did sleep. I took a lot of L-threonine before bed. L-threonine is a type of magnesium. I take it in 1,000 milligram doses. I think I took about three doses before bed. And, uh... Then when I did sleep, I was in a very convincing dream. I mean, I was in a dream. I'm not even sure. Like the dream was so real that almost some of the things that happened in the dream seemed like they really happened. And so that is a consequence of very deep sleep on L-threonine. But the good news is that I did eventually sleep. I think around 3 o'clock. I did, I did manage to sleep all the way through until about 10.30 with only getting up a couple of times, you know, to, you know, the normal things that people do when they get up, stretch out or whatever, roll over a couple times. And then overall, about six hours of sleep, which has seemed to be my average over the last 
couple of weeks. I'm seeming to get around lately of late. It seems that I've been getting around six, slightly over six hours, which is sub acceptable, but it's in the range of acceptability. So my goal is seven plus, and um, I really think the key is to stretch out mornings rather than try to like. I don't think the idea is to go to bed earlier at night. I don't think that's any help at all. I think the idea is to stretch out mornings in a sedentary fashion, like doing my podcast now. It's it's after one now. It's one o'clock. So, um, you know, that means I won't go to the gym till two, you know, and then the whole day is moved over. And um, so that's a way that I'm dealing with that. And so otherwise, the, everything else that I have previously mentioned as far as dealing with restless legs still holds true. Okay, it, the, the process is ironing itself out. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, the elimination of one of my favoriteest foods is unfortunate, but I think the elimination of or at least near elimination of or at least elimination of at a certain point during the day after a certain time of day. Sugar really seems to be a problem. You know, I was at the Sprouts Market and in the back row they have like, you know, things that are left over from when they restock the shelves. And so they have like sometimes a 99 cent special on a thing. And they had these little Halloween, like bite-sized Rice Krispie treats for kids. I had to, a total of two of them. And maybe about four in the afternoon. And they're loaded with sugar. And I think that the correlation is the amount of sugar that I had between that and the chocolate licking the spoon of my cake is about equivalent to the level of increase in the restless leg syndrome. And so I think sugar really is probably the mainest problem. Chocolate is probably still acceptable, but it's got to be a sugar-free, you know, it's got to be and in the morning, not at night. So um, that's how that's being dealt with. And all the other things that I've told you, all the other variables, they still hold. Okay, so having something to do late at night, walking around, don't being upset about it, be zen with it, um, you know, push as much activity to later at night as possible. If I had like a 24-hour gym, I'd go to the gym at midnight. You know, I get awful tired of taking walks around the block. But, you know, I'm in a new city, a new block, right? So anyway, that's how that's being dealt with. Um, the next thing I want to talk about I was, I was having a hard time, and I was talking to my girlfriend. I was telling her I was having a hard time dealing with this issue with my family, you know, because as you know, I'm completely separated from my family. It doesn't feel right to me, you know. It feels, it feels right to me to do what I'm doing because I feel like I've been abused, and I feel like the only way to get out from under being abused is to get out from under it and be strong. And the type of abuse, see, when I tell people, oh, no, I was abused in my family, they, and I don't want to be victim-y. I don't be, oh, like I was a victim. No, it's the kind of thing where it's a family dynamic. It's very common. I didn't recognize it. I allowed myself to be a part of it because I didn't know what was happening. And now, and I've, a few times in my life, I've woken up to it and said, this is what's happening and I've got to get out of this. And whenever I've done that, I've been extremely happy. Or not extremely happy, but much happier. And, um, you know, this time I saw the thing, COVID really brought it. 
You are listening to the one and only Dave Fremlin Show on Podbean. And I recognize the abuse that I was under. It's very subtle. And if unless you are able to really understand it, you might it'd be very easy to fall under it. And the type of abuse that I've been under, and since I've changed my life, although I have a lot of repercussive uh, feelings of guilt for like just the way that the way that the situation ended, and the fact that I'm now like just alone here trying to start a new life. I recognized yesterday that the people from before were taking up time in my head because I was walking down the street and I was thinking about having a conversation with my brother, a conversation that will never occur. And I was thinking about how he would respond and what, how I would respond and then how he would respond. So here I am in a new, a new life. He's not part of my life right now. And I'm trying to have a conversation with him in my own head. And I thought, why am I, why am I living there? instead of living where I am right now in the present, you know? It was, a, it was a big realization, and I thought, oh, how many times a day do I do that? And so how to deal with that is, first of all, I have to recognize that that, is, that right there is a symptom. It's a symptom of the long-term abuse. So the, the fact that I've separated myself from the abusive people and even myself, because all abuse is like a two-way street. And so I was being abused by them, and then I was in, in turn abusing them. And the cycle would then continue and continue and continue. And the only way to break the cycle is to break it. There, there really is, you know, addiction, depression, uh, anger management, I don't know, manic depressivism, whatever you have. The really only way to break the cycle, I was going to say chronic stupidity, any of the things, the only way to break the cycle is to just break the cycle. And you have to be willing to be very uncomfortable for an undisclosed and unknown period of time could be indefinite. And you have to be able to say, I'm willing to be uncomfortable rather than be doing this. And that basically means that the fear of making the change has to be lower than the pain of being the same. You understand? The fear of, of being uncomfortable, you ha- and it doesn't matter what the level of discomfort is, you have to be willing to deal with it. Um, it has to be, you have to be brave enough. The fear has to be low enough to walk through it no matter what, because I'll tell you the I'll tell you the truth, that the pain of being how I was was very painful. It was leading to a very bad place. Okay, there were arguments every day. I was feeling horrible all the time. Um, there was I felt like I was constantly being put down, um, not listened to, neglected, uh, taken advantage of, not given, not having a chance to be who I want to be like I just felt all of that it, whether it was real or not it was the perception that I was living under and it was very painful and it caused me a lot of distress and I would lash out and I would do behaviors that were not healthy 
And then one day I decided, because COVID showed me this view of everyone, where it's like, wow, the curtains came off. And I was like, wow, what I'm, what I'm feeling, it makes sense because this is what is really happening. And so when I saw that, when I saw the truth that what really was happening was what I was really feeling and it lined up and I said, oh, wow, okay, there's one way out of this. I've got to get away. What my attitude was, was I don't know where I'm going or what I'm going to do or for how long, but I know that the problem that I'm living in is not going to get any better while I'm sitting here living in it. You know what I mean? The perspective that I'm living under is, is distorted and um, the longer that I stay under this, you know, you get into a cycle of this sort of abusive behavior and it becomes normal and that becomes like a disability in itself. You know, it becomes a mental illness in itself. And the only way to break the cycle is to break it. And so I thought, you know, this thing is not getting any better to given my best efforts with me living in the soup. You know what I mean? And... Um, I said I had to get away from it. I don't know what I'm going to do or for how long, but when I get away from it, I will be able to have a different perspective on what's really going on and hopefully give a chance for things to settle down and heal. And then over that process, maybe I, I pray and I hope that maybe things eventually will heal. So the proactive um, thing that I did, what I do now, is I, I go through these feelings, you know, I go where I feel I feel really bad about how things ended or I just got in the car and left angry. But then every day that I'm here, and even though I'm alone and I feel lonely and I have all these thoughts in my head and I, I want to go get involved in something and then I don't want to get involved in it because I'm afraid to commit to things now, I definitely have symptoms of somebody who's recovering from abuse, Okay. And the, the way to really face it is I have to recognize the type of abuse that it is. And my type of abuse is very subtle. It was done with the way that people dealt with me during a conversation. They would shut me down, not listen to my point of view. It would kind of nod me off. They used logical fallacies, which you can look up online. But logical fallacies are a way to derail a conversation in order to put a person on an emotional defensive footing rather than being able to debate. So I'm debating you <clears throat> on a topic. Uh, the glass is half full. And you say, no, the glass is half empty. And I say, well, well, the glasses have full based on the fact that, uh, you know, I'm filling it up rather than drinking it down. And so based on the fact that I'm filling the glass up, I'm measuring that it's going, is it full yet? No, it's half full. If I were drinking the cup and I was drinking it down and I would say, was it half empty yet? And so based on the action of what I'm doing, the cup is going to be half full or half empty. And the other person says, well, that's a stupid argument. No, my argument isn't stupid. So now I'm defending, rather than defending the facts of the argument and rather having him present his facts in the argument. Mm -hmm.
The Dave Fremlin Show is now available on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. If you like listening to The Dave Fremlin Show, don't forget to follow me and subscribe to my podcast and share me with a friend. Thank you and have a nice day. We're now defending the validity of the argument itself. And then it turns into, well, you're just dumb. No, I'm not dumb. Now we're not even talking about whether the glass is half empty or half full. We're talking about whether or not I'm dumb. And so the logical fallacy there was what you call an ad hominem attack. You're attacking the, the person making the point rather than attacking the fact itself. And that derails the conversation from the facts onto an emotional defensive footing. I'm defending whether or not I'm stupid. Okay. And there are probably, oh God, 300 different forms of logical fallacies. There's misinformation. There's uh, appealing to emotion. There's, uh, there's a, what do you call it? Um, deflecting, obfuscating. There's all different ways to do a logical fallacy. But the, the idea of a logical fallacy is to rather than present facts and debate the facts, you derail the conversation and put the other debater on an emotional defensive footing. So they're defending themselves rather than the topic. That's called logical fallacies. And a lot of abusive people they use logical fallacies. And the most common one, the easiest one to point out is the ad hominem attack. But there's 300 different types. And what you need to look for, what I look for, is are you, if you are talking to somebody and you are all about presenting the facts, and every time you present a fact, they present an argument that is other than a fact, they're using a logical fallacy, okay? Because anything that derails the conversation from a debate about the facts and puts it on an emotional defensive footing is a, a logical fallacy. It's a form of abuse, you know? This thing where people say, oh, I'm really, I, I agree to disagree with you or, oh, I'm sorry you actually feel that way. These are logical fallacies because they're putting you into a defensive footing rather than if you really, really were sorry for the way you made me feel, you'd stop doing the damn thing that you do that makes me feel that way. So what you're really doing is putting me on a defensive footing, victimizing me. And so the way out of it, <clears throat> since I always like to end on a positive note, the way out of it is to recognize the type of abuse because, see, the thing is to not be a victim. Everybody has been abused. Everybody is, uh, you, know, you know, either the bully or the bullied. That's what there are on this planet. And I unfortunately fall into the category of the bullied. But the thing that, and it's a lifelong learning process. Once you've been bullied, it's very, I don't think it's something you, I think you always assume the bully. And so, um, in my opinion, and I'm not a doctor, but I play one on the radio. Um, my opinion is you need to face the facts. 
You need to get over the shame. It's just very shameful to admit I was abused. I, I fall into a victim category. I hate admitting that. I don't even like the word victim. And if you present yourself to me as a victim, I ain't going to feel sorry for you. So that means I'm presenting myself with shame. And so the idea is admit it. Okay, I have shame because I feel like I was an abused person and I did not solve the problem. And then the idea is to then be able to admit it. This is what this abuse looks like. And when I see it again, I will try to be stronger and walk away. Do not engage. Be the better person. Because once you engage into the emotional defensive footing, you become the loser. And then they win. And then you go home in shame. You leave the argument feeling bad. I guarantee you in 80% of the arguments I've ever had with my mom or my brother in a logical fallacy abusive situation, I guarantee you I'm the one who left feeling bad and they went away not feeling anything about it at all. If, unless they think, oh, what an idiot Dave is. Whereas I'm thinking, God damn, how come they're so mean, like horrible, and I wish that we didn't, how, how can we have to fight? And I go home hating myself that I didn't handle it better. And they go about, just go to lunch, and don't even talk about it ever again. So who's hurting in that situation? Who wins? Okay, and who wins now? I walked away. I'm in another place. I'm all alone. I'm hurting a little bit, all right? I have a, there are issues with starting over. There are issues with being alone. There's issues with like getting people out of my head that were in the past. And, you know, there's there's a lot of bad feelings that I wish weren't there. But the way to do this, the way to win is they don't get to win. Okay? They don't get to win because I get to be happy. I get to have self-esteem. I get to have a validity in my way of thinking. I get to attract to myself others who think like me. And, and, to, and when I, until I can learn how to, and the way to do that is to be genuine and to be authentic. And until I can be, present myself authentically and genuinely and not be fearful and shameful mm -hmm. and, and all those things, until I can do that, I don't want to put myself in a position to attract more issues. And it's hard because I don't know what thing to do or not do, pick and choose. I don't know which thing is the right thing. I'm very cautious. And so um, and so that's the way it's going. And so that's, uh, that's my topic for today. And I'm going to leave it at that. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. The opinions expressed in the Dave Fremlin Show are strictly opinions. I am not an expert. The Dave Fremlin Show is written, directed, and produced by Dave Fremlin and is a Dave Fremlin production. Thank you for listening. <laughs>